Hello, hello, everyone. This is Kayla Glaze, and welcome back to my podcast, Dare to Dream. And today I'm excited because I have a really special guest on here with me. Um, For those of you who are listening, uh, you'll obviously get to hear this person. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, you'll get to see a side-by-side video of us talking. My special guest that I have on today is my older sister, Tori Nichols, and I'm really excited about this because um, a lot of you who follow my music or are listening to my podcast and have been following that recently, you mainly just hear a lot about my music journey and kind of my own personal beliefs and processes, um, but you don't really get a glimpse into my relationships with my family members. And so I'm excited about this because my sister is one of my best friends and one of the most important people in my life and um, really close to me. And so I'm really excited to have her on here to just kind of share some of her heart and some of the things she's passionate about and to also dive into our first learning from legends episode. When I originally started this podcast, for those of you who are new, one of the different types of episodes that I'm going to be doing throughout this podcast is talking about different successful people in different fields and kind of pointing out choices that they made that were really amazing choices that kind of led to their success and also talking about the real things doing a deep dive into some choices that maybe they made that weren't great decisions, you know, along their journey, um, especially being a very successful person. And so the first one that we're doing today is actually going to be about Michael Jordan. And I'm bringing my sister on for this one because she's super passionate about sports. And I'll let her talk to you about that in a second. Um, But we were raised in a very sporty sports-minded family, and we both played basketball for a long time, and basketball was a big passion of ours, and so Michael Jackson was, or not Michael Jackson, <laughs> My, Michael, <Another> Michael. <laughs> um, Michael Jordan was always kind of like an idol, you know, to us growing up because we played basketball, and obviously he's one of the greatest basketball players to ever exist and super successful. So, um, yeah. So Tori, I'm just going to let you kind of talk for a minute about, um, just some of your passions and, you know, sports and kind of some of the things you're getting into. And you can also talk about some of the stuff you're starting right now too, with your different podcasts and things like that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talking about, um, the great, the goat, Michael Jordan today. Um, As Kayla said, I am her older sister. We're a little less than two years apart. So we definitely grew up playing sports together all of our lives. Uh, Our dad, of course, was our coach um, in summer league and things like that. Um, So we definitely had like some healthy competition out in the driveway and out in the backyard playing basketball (laughs) growing up. Um, I also wanted to say, first of all, I love the... Uh, what did you call the segment? Learning from legends? Yeah, learning from legends. I love that. I love that. I think that's so important um, because I think we can. We can learn so much from the legends that have come before us. So I think that's awesome. And who better than Michael Jordan? He's obviously so 
talented and successful and to this day probably still looked at as the face of basketball, even though he hasn't played in, I don't know how long. So um, definitely excited to talk about that. As far as my journey with sports and my passion for it, I grew up playing basketball and softball my entire life. Um, Tried a few other things here and there, but basketball, I think, has always been where my passion is. Uh, So much so more so whenever I started getting into the NBA, I would say. So I loved playing basketball. But then whenever I think we really started watching NBA, maybe like middle school or so, would you say, Kay? Probably like middle school. Yeah, middle school, I feel like, you know, when me, you, and Tori, our stepsister, she's like a year older than me. When all three of us were in middle school, I feel like that was kind of when dad got pretty heavy into coaching us in basketball and we were – doing all the like summer leagues and all of that stuff always in the gym and stuff like that and um yeah because I remember back at that time that's probably when we got into NBA because back at that time that was when I kind of started to like your Iverson phase (laughs) (laughs) that was when I started to like read people's biographies and stuff I remember having I remember dad buying a like a biography of Michael Jordan. He had like a big book of him. And like, I think I also had one about Allen Iverson, but I would just sit with those books and like read through them. And, you know, I loved hearing their backstories, you know, as someone who's your, who's kind of your idol in that industry, you know? Oh, for sure. And dad would tell us about all these legends. He made us watch like the Pete Maravich camp workouts and, you know, told us all about Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, all these greats. Um, obviously, we were that was a little before our time as far as um, really watching games. Uh, but since then, I so our era, I would say, was more of the like Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant. And then really for me, once I got super into the NBA where I was watching at a more intellectual level, I would say it was more when the thunder came to Oklahoma city, once the thunder came to Oklahoma city, that's when my fandom was like cemented, you know, you had Katie, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, James Harden, like all in our city. That's when I was like, okay, I'm a fan for life. I started watching every single game. You know, we were going to playoff games in the city. Um, the way it changed our city was honestly so crazy. Um, we have expanded and grown so much since bringing the thunder here. Um, so I'll always be grateful for the Thunder, for what they've done for the city. Yeah, because I feel like before that, we weren't super into watching the NBA before that because it's really different when you have your own team in your own city. And we we didn't Mm -hmm. have a team for a long time. And so the NBA to me just kind of felt like something that everyone else got to experience up close, you know, and we never got to experience that because we didn't have a team. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, when hurricane Katrina happened and the Hornets came to play in Oklahoma city, that was like our first time going to like NBA games up close. And it was like a whole really cool experience because it was like wow these are people that I've just always felt like other people get to experience this you know and then we got to see um the Hornets play up close and got to see all these big people play you know like Chris Paul's rookie season yeah Chris Paul's rookie season yeah I remember getting to see at some of those games we went to um I think I remember seeing the the Miami Heat play when Shaq was still playing 
Dwayne Wade and Shaq. So it was crazy because, you know, you've just like, as someone who played basketball, you've seen these people, you've heard about them, but it's like you've never experienced them up close because we didn't have an NBA team. And all of a sudden we got an NBA team and then that morphed into us having the Thunder. And it was just like a game changer because you get you get to like see those people up close, you know, which is so cool. Oh, yeah. So then it was like, oh, now every single time a team comes into town, you're getting familiar with like probably watching a team that maybe you don't watch normally on TV. Now you kind of become a fan of these different teams. So not only are you invested in the Thunder, but you're also investing, you know, you're like, oh, I didn't know this team. You know, I didn't know the Memphis Grizzlies were this good or I didn't know the Golden State Warriors or whoever back then, you know. Um, So, yeah, it was just a fun time. I think that's really when my like super fandom started. And now I guess the Thunder came, I think, in like 2010. 2009 something like that but since then um I mean I'm at the point now where I am watching almost every single NBA game that is on TV not just the Thunder but like these playoffs I don't think I've missed maybe a single game so it's just a super fandom thing for me I love the NBA I love the psychology behind it I love the players um So yeah, when I went to college, I majored in mass communications. And I, when I was thinking about what I really wanted to do, um, the really, the, the big thing that came to my mind was I love sports. Um, my, you know, degree is mass communications. I think I could really do sports broadcasting. And, and at the time that consisted of, okay, maybe I could be like a sideline reporter or, you know, whatever. So from there I did do some internships. I worked for news channel four here in Oklahoma city for a little bit and got to do some fun stuff, um, tagging along. And that's when like James Harden was still here. He won his sixth man of the year award. Uh, I got to go along on that interview, um, definitely got to be around a lot of the Thunder players and like the night that Steven Adams got drafted, we got to go to the the Thunder fr- practice facility and like see him do his first interview in Oklahoma city. So gotten to do a lot of cool experiences. Um, obviously that, that didn't end up being my career path of working at a news station, but it's still something that I'm very passionate about. And I think now the avenue more of what I would want to go towards is really being able to have a free form conversation like this through like a podcast or a YouTube channel. So yeah, like you said, as far as what I'm working on now, um, me, my boyfriend, Jimmy, and our friend JR, um, not only are we super into NBA, but we are also very into wrestling. So we're actually starting our own podcast and we recorded our first episode last night. Um, we're still toying around with names. So I'll let you know on that, but keep a lookout. So cool. Yeah. And the, the whole wrestling world is like a whole culture too, which we, I know we didn't really grow up watching that, you know, and then when you and Jimmy and everyone started getting into that, that was really cool. Cause when I was recently in Oklahoma and got to go to some of those things with you, I was like, wow, this is like a whole cool new experience that I've never experienced either because it's like a whole culture cultural sport that you know is pretty cool too um so yeah that's so cool so definitely once you get a name and everything um and get your first episode up you'll have to let me know and then uh we'll definitely let everyone who's listening know um once you guys name it and stuff maybe on my next episode I can kind of just throw it out there and tell people what your pot what your podcast name is so people 
you know, if people are into sports and into basketball, into wrestling, all of that type of stuff, they can hop over to your podcast and check out what you guys are talking about too. So (laughs) that would be amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So like I said, today is our first episode called Learning from Legends, and it's featuring Michael Jordan. And I just thought it was really cool that Michael Jordan is the first person that I chose for this, for a Learning from Legends episode for this podcast, because a lot of people see me and they see that I'm a music producer, singer, songwriter, and do all this stuff with music. And they have no idea that basketball was actually a very major part of my childhood and teenage years. Um, You know, I basically played basketball until I went to college. And so um, a lot of people don't know that about me. So I was like, it would be really cool to actually do this first learning from legends episode over Michael Jordan, because then people can kind of not only get to know one of my closest family members, but also get a glimpse into that part of my life and my childhood. So yeah, let's dive into this. So Michael Jordan. So for those who are listening or watching, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary, The Last Dance. If you haven't, you have got to watch this documentary. (laughs) Um, must watch. Must, must, must watch. watch. So the documentary is multiple episodes and it's basically covering the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan played, Scottie Pippen, all these people, you know, uh, Dennis Rodman. It's covering the years from, let's see, that was in the 80s, 90s, late 80s, 90s. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So late 80s, 90s, the years where they won back-to-back championships in the NBA. And it's pretty wild because the footage that they show in this documentary, you know, is from 20 to 30 years ago. Uh Um, And it's basically documenting it was the last year Michael played, right? Yeah. So 90 is kind of leading up to be what they called the last dance. So you know, the team, it was kind of known that it was probably going to be the team's last year because of issues with management and things like that. Um, So it was 1998. So everything, it goes into the backstory of all the championships they won and everything, but it's really all leading up to culminating in 1998 for their last dance. Yeah. So a lot of the footage is kind of documenting that whole last year that they all played together for the Bulls. Like she said, it kind of does do a deep dive and goes into the backstories of like each of the major players on that team during that time, which is really cool. So you get this whole backstory into Michael Jordan's life and his whole process of, you know, playing in high school and transitioning and then eventually being drafted and all of his process with all of that. And then similar type of backstory episodes with Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. And then it like in the documentary, it's like they bring it full circle to like this last year that they're playing together. And it's just so inspiring. I just remember watching it through and there were like a couple of episodes where I was like crying because you're, you know, you're watching like Michael Jordan, which we'll talk about this, but you're watching him push so hard to become like one of the best players and to bring his team to victory. And I remember like at the end of one of the episodes where they won their first championship, I like cried because I'm like, wow, you you're seeing this whole backstory into how hard he really worked for that. Mm -hmm. And 
how how hard he pushed his team and um then to see them just win back-to-back championships was wild you know so yeah so if you guys have not seen this documentary you have to watch it it's on Netflix right now so you gotta hop on Netflix and watch it there's multiple episodes I think they're each like an hour to longer than an hour but they're just yes the way it's filmed is incredible um it's so inspiring so yeah let's just kind of hop in I just kind of you know wrote down some things that for me personally stood out to me when I was watching this documentary about Michael Jordan. And I think one of the first things I noticed when I was watching it from the start was, you know, in his earlier years, high school, things like that. One thing I noticed was that it seemed like he had really great coaches that pushed him, which I think is really important no matter what field of society or industry you're wanting to achieve something in is to have mentors above you who have kind of gone before you who are not afraid to push you. I think it was his high school coach, but he told his coach that he wanted to, you know, start and he wanted to be like one of the best of the best. And, um, his coach responded to him, you know, and, and told him, told him something where he was going to have to work really hard. And Michael at first was, was kind of like, Oh, you know, kind of had an attitude. And he was like, Oh, the coach said, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you told me you wanted to be the best. That stood out to me because I was like, wow, this coach wasn't afraid to like hold him at his word and to actually tell him straight up like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you told me this, that this is what you wanted, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, the coach, um, I'm pretty sure it was actually Dean Smith from North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. Uh, And then his assistant coach was Roy Williams. And Roy Williams, legendary coach from the Dallas Mavericks, is is on the documentary talking a lot about Michael um, because Dean Smith has passed at this point, so he wasn't on the documentary. But Michael still to this day credits Dean Smith as being the most influential probably person to his life as far as basketball goes. Um, because he did push him and he, he was not easy on him. He told him straight up, this is what you're going to have to do to be the best. Even though Michael had all the like natural talent and athletic ability that God could possibly probably give a person. Um, Dean Smith said, no, this is not going to, this alone is not going to take you where you need to go. You're going to have to develop some habits and the work ethic to like get you above the level. Because at that time, at that time, North Carolina was an amazing team. Um, So Michael, even with how great he was coming in as a freshman, he was not guaranteed to start because there were so many other good players on that team. Um, So he set the tone right away with, you know, Dean Smith telling him, no, this is the reality of what you're going to have to do to get where you want to go. You're telling me you want to be the best. Okay. You're going to have to be the first one here and the last one to leave. Yeah. And he like held him to that and was straight up with him. And I think that really stood out to me because I think no matter what industry you're in, no matter, you know, if you have a dream with something, no matter what it is, no matter what industry it's in, I can definitely say that just being talented in something alone you got to have more than that. You know what I mean? Even you could be the most talented person in the room. And this is even speaking to like people in the music industry where it's like, you can be the most talented person in the room, but if you are not driven and you don't actually work hard and you're not willing to like show up and really put in above and beyond effort into it, 
or you have an entitled attitude or things like that, people are not going to work with you. They're not going to want to work with you, you know? And I've heard so many stories from like other producers in the music industry of artists who are incredibly talented, but they'll walk into the studio and have a super entitled attitude or they don't show up for things or don't show up on time because they have entitled attitudes and then they don't work hard or whatever. And those producers don't want to work with those artists, no matter how talented they are, because they're like, you know, at the end of the day, you can be super talented, but people want to work with people who are professional, who are kind, who have good attitudes and who are hardworking and um, driven and willing to to put in the work to make it happen, you know? And so that was something that stood out to me just about Michael was he had he had coaches and mentors in his life who pushed him that way. And Michael could have easily been like, oh, really? Like, how are you going to talk to me that way? You know, but instead mm -hmm. yeah. he, he chose to, instead of being offended, he chose to receive that as no, he's right. Yeah. Like he's right. And I need to check my attitude and I need to show up and work harder than I am right now, you know? And yeah. it's so important to have mentors over us in whatever we're doing and whatever dreams we're pursuing. Um, and when they give us feedback and when they are pushing us and maybe telling us something we don't want to hear, mm -hmm. you know, you have the choice. You have the choice to either be like, oh, OK, I could have a crappy attitude about this right now or I can really take this and say, you know what? this person's right and I'm going to have a good attitude and I'm going to show up and take that and work hard, you know? And that's, that's definitely something that I feel like Michael Jordan did, which was a huge reason to why he became so successful. You can see that throughout the documentary where he is continually choosing to show up, choosing to work hard, choosing to, mm -hmm. you know, even, even when he was in the NBA and he was already getting, you know, MVP and like, things like that and already starting to get thrown into a similar category as Larry Bird and stuff. He and Magic Johnson, he still he could have easily taken that and been like, oh, I'm a great I'm great. You know, like I don't need to I don't need to push harder. But he didn't have that attitude, you know? Yeah. No, what one thing about Michael, he does not shy away from a challenge. He, you tell him what it takes to be great. Um, you tell him there's something he needs to work on. He might not always agree with you, but especially if it's someone he respects, he's going to take that challenge on and he's going to motivate it, let it motivate him to be better. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about Michael's career, but definitely his first like six seasons, I think. He was really, really good in the NBA. He was a great scorer. He was winning scoring titles. Um, you know, teams were game planning against him specifically to try, try to shut him down. So he was really great, but his team wasn't winning. His team wasn't going to championships. And it would have been really easy for him, like you said, to, to be stagnant and to be okay with where he was at because he was getting a lot of individual awards, right? He's so... He could have validated himself in that moment and said, I mean, I'm great. I don't know what's wrong with these other people, but you guys need to just, you know, help me out here. But, you know, instead he used that motivation 
to continue to try to make himself better and say, you know what? Yes, I am talented. I am great, but I have so much more potential and I haven't won a ring yet. I haven't been to the promised land and achieved the ultimate goal. Yep. So I need to work that much harder. Yeah, exactly. That brings up kind of the next thing that I wanted to point out was one of the challenges that I kind of noticed that he faced, you know, like you're talking about when he was a rookie for the Bulls and his first several several years, you know, where he was a great player, but he they weren't winning championships, things like that. Mm-hmm. I remember um, there were specific people who pointed out to him and said, you know, there's no way he'll carry this team to a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, there were specific people who pointed that out and um, they said things like, oh, he's a great player. He's not like tall enough. He's not this or that. He might mm-hmm. be good, but he's not going to carry his team to a championship. And so I think that was in his kind of rookie years, you know, playing for the Bulls. And, you know, I think sometimes people look at these successful people and they think, oh, wow, they just they just had the gift. They just had the talent. And mm-hmm. that's what got them there, you know. But it's like, no, none of these people were immune to receiving opposition from people, criticism from people. And even Michael Jordan, you know, had his own experiences with that, mm-hmm. you know, where he got cut from his high school basketball team. He had people when he was a rookie at the Bulls who were like, there's no way this guy is going to carry his team. You know, he might be good, but he's not that good. <laughs> yes. And literally getting beat down by teams like the Detroit Pistons who created the Jordan rules And we're just (laughs) banging him around every time he went to the basket. Like back then in the NBA, the refs weren't calling fouls like they do today. So how do you overcome that if you can't even get into the lane or play your game? Okay, how do I overcome this? You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that was something that was so crazy to me too, was it's getting down to the conference finals or whatever with the Pistons Mm -hmm. multiple times. And they're just beaten down on him and they, you know, won back to back or whatever. And then obviously they felt very defeated because they were like, we want to beat the Pistons. But after, after that, I think it was the second time they beat them in the conference championship or something that he was like, okay, these guys are beating me around because they're bigger than me. And so first thing he was in the gym lifting weights to try to gain muscle to try to gain muscle so that he could compete with them and throw his weight around more into them and he was having all the rest of the guys on the team do the same thing where exactly you know these these guys just lost and felt defeated and it's like okay they could have easily given up and just felt like we're not as good as this team but Michael was kind of the ringleader who was like no we're getting into the gym and we're gonna lift weights and bulk up so that next year we can throw our weight around with them and we'll be as big as they are and then they won't be able to hold us you know and I was like dang to face a challenge like that and to respond to it with like I'm gonna gain some muscle and work out in the gym and get in the gym and work hard yeah. so I can get bigger to actually like compete and throw my weight around with these guys. I was like, this guy has so much determination and drive and is willing to literally push his body to the limit to be the best. Yeah. I think like the main thing that that 
whole scenario shows me is ownership. He could have easily, you know, and I'm sure a lot of his teammates were just complaining about the refs and feeling defeated and feeling, you can almost feel like, okay, well, what are we supposed to do? What can we do? We're doing everything we can do. You know, they're just not calling fouls. Like they're letting us be, they're letting the Pistons beat us up. It would be easy to have that mindset, but Michael said, no, I can't control what the refs do. So what I can do is control myself and my body and do everything that I can and push you guys as my teammates to do everything you can to be ready for them next year if we play them again. So Exactly. And I think obviously I haven't kept up with the NBA as much as you have <laughs> since I since I moved out to California and then moved to Nashville and everything. But um, I will say from some of the NBA games I have watched just kind of in this time of our lives compared to, you know, watching that type of a documentary and seeing some of the highlights of the older games and seeing like Michael Jordan's type of attitude. I feel like his attitude was like a night and day difference of oh, yeah. even some of the even some of the people who play today, you know, where you're like, sure. oh, wow, you're a su- you're a super talented person, but you're kind of being a crybaby on the court. And oh, yes, getting, looking for fouls getting, constantly. <laughs> yeah, looking for fouls or you're getting super mad that fouls are being called on you and you're acting like a baby on the court and, you know, all this stuff. Whereas I feel like when you you look into Michael's journey he never, it was like, he never really put the blame on anyone. Like he always took ownership of himself. And like you said, it was like, instead of taking things as excuses of like, oh, the refs just didn't call any fouls for us, or they, you know, were calling a million fouls on us or whatever, instead of kind of having that attitude, like you said, he was responding with what can I control? What can I do to actually win, you know? And regardless of the circumstances and yeah, he was pushing himself to the limit and he was pushing his team to the limit too. Yes. Like it was funny. It was funny watching that documentary. Cause some of the guys were like, Oh yeah. You know, Michael, he wasn't like the funnest person to be around yes. during that time. Cause he was yelling at them in practice and he would you know, get demanding fights with his teammates at practice. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying, you know, I think, I think yeah. that uh, brings me to like, it makes me think of a quote he said in the documentary and you, this is probably one that you had written down, but he said they were talking about that situation. A lot of his teammates didn't like him. Let's just be real. A lot of his teammates, I think probably the ones that weren't as driven as him um, or didn't care as much about a championship um, because Michael is ultra competitive. Michael wants to win all the time. So you can't just turn that off. And so he knows he can't do it by himself. His first six years, he, you know, they basically tried that. They didn't put a lot of help around him. He didn't have a coach that was going to get him there. So he knew that he couldn't do it by himself. He had the humility to say, as great as I am, I need some, some role players, some people to come in and help. I need a really good coach. So that's what happened. They got Phil Jackson. They got Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. And it was, you know, even before Rodman came in um, for the, for the first three championships, like Horace Grant there, you know, there were people there that were helping, but they weren't always happy with the way that Michael 
motivated them. He he motivated by example, but he also was not afraid to push them. And he said a quote um, after, you know, I think the interviewer in the documentary had played him some some of the interviews with his teammates where they weren't, you know, super happy with him, maybe. And, and it, he got emotional. It was probably one of the most emotional scenes in the documentary. Um, he teared up and he said, you know, I never asked any of my teammates to do something that I wasn't willing to do. And he was like, I don't know what else. He said, I don't know what more to say about that. Because what he's saying is I just wanted them to be great too. He's saying as a leader, I'm not asking them to get out and run sprints. I'm in the, I'm ahead of them running sprints. Like anything I'm asking them to do, I'm pushing myself to do even more to lead by example. Yeah. And you see, obviously, you know, you're talking about him getting in fistfights and things like that. (laughs) Like obviously in this episode and with, you know, these people that I'm going to be covering, it's not to say, oh, this person was perfect. Like they did everything right. Because all a lot of these successful people, they had their fair share of, you they're know, mistakes. Like yeah, they're human. Know? They're human. And they had their fair share of mistakes they made. They had, um, you know, some decisions they, ba- they made that maybe weren't the greatest. And um, so, yeah, you know, he, he was, he was, he was pushing himself and it was almost like he was demanding his teammates to see their own potential, you know, exactly. like he, he was demanding that of himself and he was demanding that of his teammates, you know, to, to show them like, Hey, you have more potential inside of you. And he was trying to push them to actually bring that to the surface, you know? And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild to watch that and kind of like what you were saying with his teammates kind of speaking out in the documentary and kind of saying how they didn't really like him at that time, you know, and that, that brings up another good point where not everyone is going to like you as you are pushing hard and you're pursuing the things that you want to pursue. It's pretty much a guaranteed fact that there are going to be some people who aren't going to like you. And Part of that reason is because you might be doing something that they're not doing, you know, right. like if if you are actually pushing yourself hard and you're growing and you're learning and you're progressing, that can bring up insecurities in other people where they feel like face to face with themselves of like, oh, I'm not progressing in what I want to be doing, you know, and sometimes, sometimes people can react to you out of those feelings and decide they don't like you because being around you brings that stuff up for them. And people don't like feeling uncomfortable, you know? And so, so I think he was probably making a lot of the people who were probably very close to him at the time, because they're all on the same team and the same journey, same experience, doing life together every day, you know, and he was making those people feel uncomfortable as his teammates Mm -hmm. because he was pushing them and making them feel that discomfort of, you know, even, even just physically of like, I have to push my body harder or I have to mentally, you know, whatever. And, um, when people are pushing you into an, an uncomfortable place, obviously sometimes that doesn't feel great, but it can actually push you into more of who you really are and your potential. And you see that with a lot of successful people is that, you know, they lost a lot of friends along the way or 
they had people who kind of turned their backs on them. And I think a lot of it is because of those types of reasons where it's like they chose, they chose to like really step into their potential and to learn and grow and progress. And that can make other people feel uncomfortable, you know, and they, they either get to choose to deal with that or not. (laughs) And if they don't, then, you know, you might end up losing some friends along the journey or whatever. And so I think that's just to bring up that no matter what people are pursuing in whatever industry it's in, if you are pushing hard and you are progressing and growing and learning, it's probably a guaranteed fact there will be at least one person who will not like you, you know? Yeah, you're going to get and some haters. You're going to get some yeah, haters. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to get some haters. And I think it's really important that you don't let that take a toll on you emotionally and mm-hmm. you keep going, you know? And I think exactly. that's that's obviously something Michael kept doing. He probably knew that right. like the majority of his teammates did not like him at that time. Exactly. And he he didn't let it stop him. But now you can tell years later, like in that interview, you could tell it still bothered him. You could tell he did have a desire to be liked in some way, but his desire for success was greater than his desire to be liked. Exactly. Yeah, that's so good. You kind of do have to disconnect from things like that emotionally and keep certain things in perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, I'm pursuing music, you know, and there are definitely going to be people along the way who won't like me for different reasons, you know, and I can either let that take an emotional toll on me or I can kind of disconnect from that and keep focusing on the business aspect of what I'm doing and stay professional and keep going, you know, and the right, the right people are going to be the ones who are going to support you and are going to walk with, walk with you along that journey. And I think that can be really hard for people to emotionally disconnect like that at times when you're, Obviously, it's vulnerable to put yourself out there and to pursue a dream you're pursuing, especially in front yes, of other people. Very. Yeah, and it's people very these vulnerable. Days, especially on the internet, now that the internet is so pertinent, people love to sit behind their keyboards and try to bring down other people's dreams. It's like, like you said, it's oh, very yeah. vulnerable to put yourself on the internet for anyone to see and say, you know, this is my art, whatever that looks like. Like, you know, I've been like trying to post a lot of, um, I'm super into fashion. I like posting, posting fashion content, but it can get like nerve wracking. Like, Oh, if I post this, like, am I going to get people on here, you know, saying like negative things. And for me, I think I've just come to a journey where it's like, don't let the like few negative outweigh the positive in your mind and the people that are supporting you and lifting you up and pushing you to be better. You know? Yeah. It's so, it's so, so vulnerable because you are kind of putting yourself at the mercy of other people's opinions, you know, when you're putting yourself in front of people in that way. And, um, I think something that was a big game changer for me in pursuing music. Um, cause when I started really pursuing music really hard a few years ago, you know, I was doing gigs all the time. This was when I started doing a lot of the playing electric guitar, blues rock, all of that stuff. And, um, I would have, I would actually have some people come up to me who would say like, it just seems like you're 
a fearless person, you know? And I was like, actually, that's not true at all. Like I've literally sang in front of people a million times and I still get nervous to do it. And Mm -hmm. I still have my own fears pop up. I still feel that fear of what if people criticize me? What if people think I suck? What if people judge me, (laughs) you know? And Mm -hmm. because you're out in front of people and I used to really shy back from putting myself out there because I was so afraid of what people would think. Like I was so afraid that people wouldn't like me. And this reality hit me one day where I realized obviously like God is a big part of my life. And I really felt God speak speak this to me where he said, you know what, Kayla, there's always going to be someone who isn't going to like you. Exactly. And when I actually realized that, because I feel like before that I was trying to prevent that from happening. And then Mm -hmm. I realized I can't actually prevent that from happening. There is going to be someone who isn't going to like me. And I actually accepted, accepted that reality as fact. It was like something happened on the inside of me because I realized, well, If someone, if there's going to be someone who's not going to like me anyways, I may as well go ahead and put myself out there (laughs) because if I can't, if I can't prevent it anyways, I may as well be fully myself and live life to the full and fully express myself and go after what I'm dreaming about because I can't stop that from happening anyways. (laughs) Right. Think about all the art or like the important works that would not be out in the world if every artist, athlete, author, podcaster decided to let the haters or the people that don't like them keep them from putting their content out in the world. Like, yeah, think about that. You know, I think like, especially for you, for a musician, especially like there's so much, so much music that changes lives. And like, you never know who you're affecting with your music. Like you could literally save someone's life with a song. And so exactly, I think like what a lot of artists choose to look at it as the ones that are successful anyway is, okay, I could let this person that doesn't like me, you know, keep me in my shell and keep me from putting my, my work into the world. Or I could look at instead the person who I positively influence and say, I'm going to keep producing for the people that need it, you know, for the people that those lives are being changed. And that's in any aspect, even basketball, like Michael Jordan, even though he's just a basketball player, he just dribbles the ball around or whatever one of people would say negatively. Um, Basketball players can influence lives too, you know? Oh, yeah. Michael Jordan's mindset, it's not his it's not his basketball play that inspires me the most. It is his mindset and his drive. Yeah. Because there are a few people in this world that I have seen that have the drive of Michael Jordan. And that's something that I aspire to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like no matter what industry you're in or no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it's, that's what impacts people. You know, even Mm -hmm. if you're a super talented basketball player or whatever. It's like the things that impact people are, wow, that person's drive, that person's commitment, that person's Mm -hmm. willingness to keep going, even though people were criticizing them. And that's something that I have to remind myself a lot when I'm pursuing music. If I feel like, oh, I haven't reached the level of success that I want to reach. I haven't reached that yet. I have to remind myself, okay, yeah, but what am I giving people? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what and what do I want? What do I want people to receive from me and my journey? And it always goes back to my story, you know? Right. And the fact that I really hardly had any musical education, you know, and I'm majority self-taught with everything I'm doing with music. Mm-hmm. And I taught myself to be a producer and only 2% of producers in the industry are females and all of this stuff where I'm getting to actually tell people, hey, there are actually no limitations to you being able to do what you want to do and what you want yeah. to pursue. And, you know, because people might look at me and say, oh, she knows everything there is to know about music and music theory. And I don't. And those are things yeah. I'm still learning right now, you know, and spending right. time trying to learn. And they might think, oh, she went to college for music. She did this with music. And it's like, no, I didn't, you know. And it is a testimony of if you work hard and you're driven, you know, and you believe in yourself and you choose to continue to believe in yourself when other people criticize you. Yes. That's what you're giving people, like you're saying, is you're giving them that experience of who you are and relating to them as a human being and showing them you can believe in yourself too. You yep. can overcome criticism too. You can you can overcome feeling the limitations. Like you don't have to have the education. You don't have to have this. You can do it, you know? Right. Obviously, there's so many other things that we could say about him. But I think just, yeah, his confidence and his belief in himself as well, you yes. know? when Because it can be really easy to just choose to not believe in yourself when other people are not believing in you, (laughs) you know, especially, especially when you're on a big platform in front of thousands of people and you have people telling you things like, oh, you're good, but this or this, you know, and he still was like, no, I'm going to continue to believe in myself, even though other people aren't believing in me right now, you know, exactly, which is a huge thing that stood out to me about him as well, apart from being driven and hardworking, like his his mental attitude towards himself of like refusing to give up on himself. Absolutely. And I think like that's that that self-motivation is so important and that belief in yourself. And I think, you know, even a Michael Jordan, sometimes like we even those of us that have a super high belief in ourselves we hit those low points sometimes. So I think it's also really important. And one thing I really respected about Michael, he made some sacrifices as far as who he really let into his circle. Yeah. Um, His most trusted confidant and the person that was with him all of the time was his dad. And so, whereas, you know, a lot of guys in the NBA, oh, it's my rookie year. Like I'm not with my, I'm not in the hotel room with my dad playing chess or whatever you know that that's why Michael Michael would be in the hotel room playing cards playing cards you know and or his his very close like his assistant his dad whatever the people that were super close to him that he trusted and in doing that he didn't let himself get distracted and he kept the people that he knew when my belief is low they're gonna pick me back up his dad was the person that would pick him back up and say remember who you are like don't let these people get in your head, you know? Yeah. I remember that. I don't know if it was like after he lost to the Pistons for the first time Mm -hmm. or, but I remember them showing a clip of his dad in the locker room with him Yeah, and they were showing, they were showing him telling him, you know, like, Hey, don't, don't like sit in this defeat, you know, like 
don't, don't let this get you down. Like you're going to get them next time. You know, exactly. That's something else I had written down that I noticed was, I think it was his rookie year, but they were, you know, at a hotel with the rest of his team and he went and knocked on the door to see what the rest of his teammates were doing. And they opened the door and they were like, Oh, it's just Michael, blah, blah, blah. And they're all in there like drinking, doing drugs, all the things. Mm -hmm. And he could have easily joined in. He's a rookie and he's like, oh, yeah. I want to fit in. I want to be a part of what's happening yeah. with my team. But he the people pleasing aspect, you know, yeah, trying to make your teammates like you or whatever. Yeah, especially when you're new and you're like, I want to fit in and like feel like I'm a part of right. this and bonding with my teammates, you know, because these are the people I'm doing life with all the time right now. Exactly. But he, he immediately was like left because he was like, I didn't want any part of that. Like yeah. I... I knew that that could be trouble. That and wasn't going to get him get where he wanted to go. He knew that from an early exactly. age. Exactly. From an early age, he recognized like this actually isn't going to benefit my life or my career or what I'm wanting to do and where I'm exactly. wanting to go and how far I'm wanting to go in this. And so I'm going to stay away from that. And I think his convictions too and his discipline to be like, I'm actually willing to be the person that isn't fitting in yep. or is kind, is kind of an outcast in order to be my best self and to reach the goals that I want to reach, exactly. you know? And I think, I think that's such a huge thing. Like you're talking about, like the people you have in your circle can make a massive difference, Absolutely. you know, and choosing what people that you really have around you as a support system can be a huge make or break thing on your journey. You know, I'm going to eventually do a separate um, episode learning from legends episode on Whitney Houston, but Ooh. that's one of the biggest things that I noticed when I was watching a Whitney Houston documentary was she chose her brothers to be her road team because they were her family, but her brothers were super into drugs and they're the ones who introduced her to drugs. The beginning and of her downfall, man. The beginning of her downfall. And so even if people are your family, like you have to really sit back and think, who are the best people for me to have around me as mm -hmm. a support system? And Michael, in that moment, he realized, you know, this isn't going to benefit benefit my life or my career or the goals that I'm trying to achieve. And so I'm not going to be involved in it. And I think, especially as a rookie player, that takes a lot of guts and it conviction does. and confidence to actually say no to that and to mm -hmm. walk away from that, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. So good. Yeah. Ugh, so good. Yeah. So good. I feel like we hit on so many things. Let me just see if there was anything else I... Oh, um, um, the only other thing that I put on here was the part in the documentary where Jerry Krause is basically, which he was like the general manager, right? For the Bulls. He was kind of taking credit for Michael's, for the Bulls success, yeah. you know? And he was saying, you know, organizations win titles, not players. And I was like, wow, that would suck to experience that. <laughs> You know, yes. you're like this super hardworking, dedicated basketball player who's becoming one of the greats. And your general manager basically kind of behind your back says like, oh, I'm kind of taking credit for our success. Exactly. Diminishing, diminishing the role that 
the players. He, yeah, it was almost like he was saying the players are interchangeable as long as the organization and the system and you know the front office is good we can bring anyone in here and still have success which obviously wasn't true because they were winning before that so right but I can imagine as someone who's playing for that team like Michael and you're literally busting your butt off like trying to bring your team to win championships Mm -hmm. and you're pushing yourself super hard and your general manager says something like that. I can imagine how much of a almost like slap in the face that would feel. That's someone he was around a lot, you know, and this person is like basically not giving him the credit for how hard he's been working. That's essentially his boss. So he's having to go to practice every day knowing that these things are being said. Jerry Krause is trying to fire Phil Jackson, essentially. Yeah. And Phil Jackson, as soon as he came in, you know, they started winning championships. So it's like, it's definitely an ego thing, I feel like. Um, Yeah. And the organization does have a part in championships, but you have to look at the whole picture. And yeah, yeah, it could be very demotivating and deflating to hear that and still want to go to work and and put all your effort in for someone like that, you know? Exactly. And that was kind of the the only other thing I really wrote down as a challenge he faced was, you know, I can imagine regardless of what industry you're in or what you're pursuing with your dreams, you know, if there's someone that you're having to be around – pretty constantly who kind of is taking credit for something that you're working hard at, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's like Michael could have had a horrible attitude about that. And he could have, I mean, obviously you can see in the documentary visibly, (laughs) he's visibly upset, Yes, but it still, it still seemed like he didn't really let that affect his performance yes he you know? didn't let, I feel like let it affect he his could, goals and what he was striving for he didn't let it affect his goals and yeah what he was mm-hmm. trying to achieve in his performance he could have easily taken that this bro is like his general manager he could have easily been like I'm going to a different team yeah like <laughs> you oh know? you don't like you don't I don't I matter okay let me go yeah, to this other team yeah. and see what happens Yeah, he could have had that attitude like, I don't want to be on a team that, you know, where the guy running it is like this. Like, no, I'm going to go somewhere else. But he didn't do that. He he stayed committed to his goals and he stayed committed to his team members, you know, and was well was willing to kind of shut down that type of an attitude to still get his team where they were trying to go, you know. And so I definitely, I definitely think with a lot of the things we've talked about with Michael Jordan, so much of it has to do with the attitude that he chose to have, like the attitude, the perspectives he chose to have, and that resulted in the actions that he took on a daily basis, you know, Mm -hmm. was he chose to remain in a mindset of taking ownership of himself and staying focused on himself and bettering himself And he chose to stay in a professional attitude of like staying focused on his goals and not letting all these things, you know, take an emotional toll on him and kind of distract him from that, you know? Exactly. Yep. And one other thing I just thought of, you know, we talked a lot about, um, you know, being more set on his dreams and his desire for his dreams than people pleasing. And, you know, a lot of people didn't like him, all those things we talked about general manager, like 
all these people that maybe didn't believe in his methodology or whatever the case was, um, they didn't have to like him, but they respect him now. Years later, looking back at it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't like this while it was happening, but he got results and he got us where we needed to go. And we couldn't have done that without him, you know, and how hard he pushed us. And now they have the players on that team have six rings and it's like, yeah, they're legendary. They are legendary because of the way he pushed them. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot of maturity to have those types of perspectives, you know, like I feel like, it can be really easy to just be led by your emotions in life, but you can see that he had a lot of maturity because he wasn't just like letting his emotions direct his life. He was, he was rising above that and choosing to stay in those types of mindsets, you know? And, um, I think like that's something that anyone can take from this, from listening to this episode, as far as whatever people are trying to pursue is Mm -hmm. really kind of checking your attitude, you know, checking your attitude, checking, checking your mindset and asking yourself those types of questions. Like, am I letting things take an emotional toll on me to prevent me from moving forward? Am I letting things that people are saying, you know, distract me or really guide and direct myself right? and, you know, take, taking ownership of yourself and really getting face to face with yourself of like, okay, no, me pursuing my goals and my dreams and seeing those things become a reality has to do with me, you know, no matter what other people are saying, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what feels really hard emotionally, no matter what limitations I might be feeling or experiencing, I'm going to take ownership of me and work on this and take practical steps forward and keep going regardless, you know, and choosing to push, choosing to push myself, choosing to stay in a positive mindset in a positive attitude, choosing to have a positive perspective and choosing to continue to have that drive Mm -hmm. and to make moves forward regardless of what's going on or what anyone says to me, you know, and choosing to have a good support system of people who are also going to push you forward and, that's something you have to take ownership of as well because you get to choose who you have in your life, you know? And you um, so I definitely think based on everything we talk about, those those are the biggest things that I've kind of taken from this, you know? Oh, Even just us talking about it, it's like a great reminder of like, wow, what type of attitude am I having? Or is there anything that I'm letting affect me when it comes to moving forward and what I'm doing, you know? Right. Or am I blaming someone else, you know, for things in my life when I could be looking at myself and pushing myself harder? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I feel like this has been really awesome. Like I know that I've definitely taken some things out of this, especially with different perspectives you've shared as well, you know, which I thought that's why I thought it would be cool to do this with you because you could also share your Mm -hmm. input and how you, you experienced Michael's story and everything. And I feel like I've taken things from this episode and it's like a great refresher and reminder for me. And I know other people who are listening, they're probably going to leave listening to this episode, feeling really inspired and feeling Mm -hmm. like, wow, yeah, you know, this, this kind of broke down, like, the human being yeah. that is Michael Jordan and not yes. just the super successful person. And 
relating it back to themselves and taking things from this in order to move forward, you know? So I hope so. Yeah. So unless I had a lot of fun, <laughs> me too. Like, I feel like this was just a really awesome conversation it was. and yeah. And I'm really thankful and really glad that you joined. And, um, to me, it's super exciting that like, you know, the first person to have on my podcast with me, cause the few episodes I've done before this have just been myself, but mm-hmm. the first person to have featured on this podcast with me is you, you know, as my sister, cause you're so special. like, you're like one of my best friends. And yes. so it's, super special. And, um, I think a lot of people are going to receive a lot from this. So I just wanted to say thank you to you for joining me and being a part of this and also super excited for everything that you're getting into. And definitely once you get a name for your podcast and everything, I'll announce it on one of my podcast episodes and we'll tell people about it. And, um, yeah, so I don't know if you have anything else you want to say, but I feel like we covered a lot of stuff here. Yeah. I was just going to say thank you so much for bringing me on. This was so awesome. And I've been loving your podcast and obviously like support you and everything you do and love everything you're doing and just so proud of you. So I won't make either of us cry right now, but um, <laughs> yes, just really excited, hopefully to maybe come back on in the future and have yeah. you on mine and just continue to have really good conversations that will hopefully inspire people. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I'll definitely would love to have you on for something else at some point. That would be really awesome and super excited to check out yours as well. Um, All right. So everyone who's listening again today as my guest on here featured is my sister, Tori Nichols. Um, You can follow her on social media platforms to get updates since she is hopping into starting a podcast. Um, If you're super into sports and love hearing about uh, what's happening in that world, she would be an awesome person for you guys to follow on social media. Not just for that, but if you're into fashion and you love fashion, I would give her a follow as well. She's doing some stuff with that that's really amazing. Yeah, she's just a great person in general. So you guys should connect with her and reach out to her. Besides that, thank you guys so much for joining, for listening to my podcast. Like I said, this podcast is basically just, you know, helping people take practical steps towards their goals and their dreams. We're doing different things on here. I'm kind of sharing my own personal processes with pursuing my dreams with music and the music industry and also just giving practical steps to you guys to be able to take practical steps towards your own goals and dreams, as well as unpacking some of these big legends, you know, successful people and really doing deep dives into their stories to see what we can learn from them in order to move forward towards our own goals and dreams. Thank you guys for listening, for watching. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify uh, podcasts and uh, stay in touch. I will continue to be dropping some upcoming episodes. Yeah, we hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you guys soon. Na, 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 na.